Welcome back to the Health Styles Podcast and welcome to part two of the amazing Stephanie's podcast chat that we had. We already have part one out, so if you did miss that, we dive deep into her weight loss journey and everything that she went through from surgery to recovery to keeping the weight off and then also continuing to progress in part one of this chat. So make sure you go and check that out. I personally, and also Stephanie as well, has had some amazing feedback from part one of this episode. So I'm excited for you ladies to hear part two. Today, we are diving further into the mindset aspect of the journey, which I know for Steph, she said this was a part of the journey she didn't really even realize was such a big part of it. And we also dive into some other tools such as coaches, and community that she used during her journey as well. So I'm excited to dive into this episode with all of you lovely ladies today. So let's head straight on into part two. Okay, so mindset. Let's dive a little bit into my, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that I love mindset. Steph loves no, knows mm-hmm. how much I love mindset. And the reason being is that it does drive everything that we do. So mm-hmm. I remember at one point when we first sort of started that you said that in regards to all things mindset behind food, behind loving your body, behind your actions you're taking in your day-to-day life regarding health, that this was the part of the journey that you didn't even know existed until you reached it. Yeah, I really thought this was just about losing body fat. And I didn't consider that the way my mind works and my perception of myself and my perception of the world and of food had such a huge impact because like you said earlier, human behavior plays such a strong role in the choices that we make. And the choice we make every day is what to eat and and what not to eat and where to move and when to move and when not to. So I've been able to really take the time to um, invest, I guess, in my mindset and in my self-love journey and there was a little um, saying, I think, I guess a little quote that said, your current situation is not your final destination. And that's what got me through because at every point where I felt stuck, like, oh, that person, their, their food's a little bit fancier than mine. They're able to put a, a balanced meal together a bit better than I do. And they're, they're also four months post-op. So why can't I do that? Or, oh, that person's deadlifting a lot better than I am. And, you know, I've been working out just as much as them and they can do better than me. So I had to keep considering that just because I'm at this place now doesn't mean I'm going to be here all the time. And that if I want to progress, it's really up to me and comparing to somebody else again, doesn't serve me. It didn't do anything except make me feel a bit, you know, crappy about myself. So taking into consideration um, the things that were going on around me, were also really important. So having a good environment and support network. So explaining to my my friends and my family that comments about my weight and comments about what I'm eating and and not eating are not helpful and they're not things that I'm going to address with them. So if they, uh, you know, want to be judgmental about that, that's not a conversation I'm going to engage in. Um, My environment, for example, like my pantry and my fridge, setting myself up for success in that way as well. So not just having chicken and vegetables in the fridge, but also having options so that if I am craving something that I know that my environment shows, you know, a balance of food. So then I'm reinforcing that idea to myself as well. 
and also having support. So I have a really good support system in my husband and he encourages healthy behavior as well. But I've had to have conversations with him about it because like me, he didn't understand either. And I have two really beautiful stepchildren who I also have conversations with and explain what is health and, and what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? So then we're not using, you know, negative language in the house about um, our bodies and about food because all that stuff really matters. Mm. So like educating the people around you in a really gentle, I guess, a gentle and nurturing way, not a judgmental way. Yeah. That's also good for your own mindset because then they can support you and know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you just said there as well is bundled up into becoming very (laughs) self-aware of your thoughts and then putting boundaries on things. So yeah. not allowing people to say things to like telling them if they say something to you, you're not going to acknowledge it because for you, yeah. that is not what you want. It's not healthy and it stops you from being able to progress within your own mind and your thought patterns. So what yeah. was the sort of turning point? If you can name one or a phase of this journey where you realized how powerful mindset actually was like, because it is something that so many people, especially with social media, know Mm -hmm. is a part of the journey. But I feel like many people think it's like that 1% part of the journey versus, okay, well, if you're struggling with, you know, choosing food options that are healthy for your body as well, you know, what's the mindset behind that? People aren't making that connection between our thoughts and our actions. Instead, we just try and fix the actions by maybe restricting ourselves and all of those sort of things. So do you think there was a sort of turning point where you really realized you had to put in the effort to this just as equally as you had with your personal trainer and so on? There was, yes. Um, My turning point was my first binge. So a binge after weight loss surgery is not the same because you physically can't eat massive amounts of food, but as your stomach stretches or is able to stretch and contract, you are able to really push the limits. And I remember there was one night I really pushed the limit to a point where I made myself sick. And the next day I continued that behavior. And I thought, oh, well, this is just how it's going to be now. Because that was the thought pattern that I utilized before. It was, oh, well, you've stuffed it up now, Steph, haven't you? So just may as well make a massive disaster out of it because that's what you do. (laughs) I didn't consider there was another option. So my turning point was when the next day, so the second day I woke up and I had these, I had conversations with you. And so a lot of this was under your advice and your guidance that, oh, it's a new day. And it dawned on me, you can do whatever you want today. That two days, really one and a half days worth of overeating actually changes zero changes nothing I'm not going to put on weight I might feel a little bit groggy and the scale might go up a little bit um, because I'm retaining more water because I've eaten a lot more carbs a lot more sugar and nothing bad's going to happen though because I haven't gained any fat and I haven't really hurt myself I haven't done anything wrong I'm just going to pick myself back up the next day and continue and I think realizing that, that I could do that, that was my other option. It wasn't just, oh, you've really screwed it up now. You have to just continue um, in, this, in this downward spiral. I didn't know that there was, you could bring yourself back up from that. I didn't know there was a plan B, another option to take. So when I realized that, I thought, oh, there must be other options to other things. 
for example, the way I think about my loose skin. There's, you don't just have to, you know, dwell and be depressed about it and think, oh, well, we may as well just um, wallow in self-pity now. There's always another option. And if you have a strong mind, then your behavior kind of follows suit. And then you start thinking more positively, you start making positive changes, you start behaving more positively. And then all of a sudden, things truly are more positive. It's like a yeah. flow on effect. Absolutely. And uh, what you sort of was mentioning there with the binge and then even mm-hmm. your loose skin, it's a matter <clears throat> of perfectionism. So if, yeah. if we aren't perfect, that's when we can spiral in the other direction of, well, I'm giving up, I'm a failure, like I'm not perfect. So I'm going to keep binging or I'm going to just let mm-hmm. weight start to come on from binges because I have loose skin. And it's those thought processes that are in your mind, your mindset that keep you in that place. Whereas mm-hmm. I know that when you did struggle with that, those two days binges, you were in a place of on your self-love journey, like you'd been working on this for a while before that. And so you did know that I can choose to get up and still mm-hmm. tell myself that I love myself, even if I did eat too much yesterday. And yeah. if we, d- if you didn't have that foundation, it would have been a lot harder work um, yes. during that time as well. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about self-love, how this is something that so many people want to wait until after they've lost weight to mm-hmm. do, which you did as well, but that's because you are unknowing to yes. this part of it. How big of a part do you think self-love has played in your overall journey of not just health, but also your happiness in your day-to-day life and being able to live under what makes you feel good rather than what the world is telling you you should do? I think it plays a huge role. I think that um, self-love kind of flies a bit under the radar and people don't give it the time it deserves. But as an example, the reason that I walk every day, remember I said I walked for the last 18 months almost every single day, is because I love myself enough to give that to myself as self-care. So I'm, I'm investing an hour of my day for me just to walk around. I'm not cleaning and I'm not cooking and I'm not looking after anyone. I'm walking for me and I'm spending that time on myself. And I love my body so much that I want to give it the best chance at health. And I don't think that I ever considered health as even important. It was just about weight loss. It was just about the way I look. Now it's who I am as a person and, and being a healthy person is like such a high priority for me because I love and value and respect myself. So why wouldn't I want to be the best version? And the best version of myself is a healthy version. And I think um, when you're out in the world, it's really hard. We have been socialized to not love ourselves and to compare ourselves with everybody else. So when you're out in the world, if you do have that respect for yourself and that love for yourself, other people's opinions can't penetrate you anymore. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. They still do affect me, of course, because I'm a human being, but they just don't have that power anymore because if someone says, for example, well, you took the easy way out, I don't even really feel the need to get defensive anymore. I used to say, are you the one waking up at five o'clock in the morning, um, putting your gym clothes on and are you preparing your meals on a Sunday night? And I would get defensive. Now I don't even owe an explanation because I love myself enough that I don't need to explain myself to somebody else because they're not important to me. I'm important to me and I know why I'm doing it. And I know I didn't take the easy way out. So I don't have to waste any energy anymore. 
Yeah. You know, I just think like ex- having to explain yourself shows like your insecurity as well. So I'm so much more secure because I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. And that in itself is freeing as well, yeah. not having to do that. So self-love, like you said, it flies under the radar a little bit. And I feel like a lot of people um, don't put as much effort as they would into their food or exercise part of the journey because they think that it's a matter of just just loving themselves, right? So they think that they know that they should love themselves. They just need to say positive things and that's it. But our brains are far more complicated than that. So I know you're still working on your self-love journey and you've come like a long way. How much time do you think you've dedicated to your self-love journey versus probably what people think that they should do, that it's just a switch that they can turn on? And like, it's a constant Mm. daily thing, isn't it? It's not just, uh, you spend five minutes a day doing something. It's really catching the negative and then training yourself to turn it to a positive constantly, not just flicking the switch onto that positive and it's there forever. I was going to use that exact um, wording. Oh, it's catching yourself going back to, oh, Steph, you binged again. You are such a failure. You're better than this. You, I can't believe you. And then, oh, okay, that's not coming from a place of self-love and being able to catch that thought and reframing it into something more positive, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, oh, my goodness, your loose skin, it's just, it ruins the way you look, you know. If you weren't so big in the first place, you wouldn't have had that loose skin. And being able to recognise that that is negative self-talk, that is not expressing self-love, and be able to catch that and turn that back around. It's all day, every day. And it's something that is still quite new to me and I'm working through every day, but it's becoming um, easier. I went into the shower the other day and that's kind of like a triggering moment for me. I used to look at myself and I'm sure a lot of women and men can um, identify with this. Just look at yourself, just kick yourself apart because that's when you're standing there the most vulnerable. And I went in the other day and I had a smile on my face. I thought, Wow, girl, look at your curves. Like, look at your collarbone. I felt good about myself. Yes, there were areas of my body that I'm going to continue to improve on. Um, but even perfection's not the end goal anymore anyway. None of us look perfect anyway. So, you know, that's not where I want to be. But I was able to recognize the positive before the negative popped into my mind. Because you practice it every day, little bit by little bit, it becomes like a natural habit almost. And I feel like from my own experience and from what I've heard women say, people who don't love themselves now, who may be listening to this, Mm -hmm. they almost believe that that's not possible. What you just said. Yeah, I know. And it seems like a dream that doesn't really come true, but it is like, it's so possible. You know, it's been years since I've ever thought anything negative about my body or that I've even put as much emphasis into, like I look in the mirror, you know, to do my hair, my makeup, whatever I'm doing, but I don't stand there just like, picking myself apart and Mm -hmm. that's something that I know like you said most women probably do or have experienced in the past and they think that that freedom around looking at your body in the mirror is truly not achievable but you're proof that it is which is amazing I promise it is (laughs) And, and it also comes from a place of having more to your life than the way you look because then after a fantastic day out where you've been able to achieve a goal or, you know, for me, like I remember when I um, went hiking, I was going to call it rock climbing. I definitely did not go rock climbing. (laughs) When I went hiking and I felt so good about myself and I had done like, you know, 13,000 steps just that day alone and I came home and I thought, 
as if I'm going to rip myself apart now. Like my body has just done something really, really cool. How dare I rip it apart and say, yeah, but you're jiggly over there. Like that didn't stop me from, you know, going on, you know, a four hour hike and doing something I've never been able to do before. So I think having um, respect for yourself and for what you've done outside of weight loss. You know, did you nail a job interview and did you just get your dream job? Did you make a difference in somebody's life? Did you just cook a really awesome meal or, um, you know, kick some ass on some goals? How can you then, you know, tear your body apart after all the awesome stuff you've just done? Absolutely. I think that's where my mindset is heading now. Yeah, that's really, really great to hear. And so you've had the element of self love playing like having to come in because you do have loose skin mm-hmm. as well yeah um, and is that a part of not just the surgery I guess but like the weight loss journey that you ever expected like was that an uh, <laughs> part that you maybe didn't realize was going to happen I this was my worst nightmare so I knew other people had loose skin and I thought no I'm young and um it's just not going to happen to me. You know, I'll be fine. And my worst nightmare was having loose skin. And when it started, uh, it's almost like it appears overnight. It started at about the, uh, the 20, 30 kilo mark is when I really started noticing it after I had lost about 20 or 30 kilos. And I thought I'm never going to be able to accept this part of myself because it's only going to get worse or it's only going to get more prominent Um, because I have a lot more loose skin now that I've lost the 60 plus kilos than obviously when I had lost 30, but I'm so much more accepting of it now. And I'm glad I had that time because it was a huge shock at first. And had I not invested the time in talking with you about it and um, reflecting on it and journaling about it and changing my framework, um, my frame of mind, sorry about it, then I really, I, 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 I'm scared to think where I would have been in regards to my mindset because it's there. You can't do anything about it. You either accept it or you feel depressed about it. And I just don't accept being depressed anymore. Yeah. So I, I feel like I have accepted my loose skin, but I'm still on a journey yeah. to loving Absolutely. it. Not there yet. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a great thing to note. Um, that like your journey is still going because yeah. it's not overnight that we can program all the thoughts that we thought for like a decade mm-hmm. for you. It doesn't just happen overnight, but your ability to love your body, how it is now, but for your loose skin. But I think what mm-hmm. you've also really succeeded at is loving Steph, the new Steph, the the Steph who can go and do those things like the hikes and that, and that plays a big part into being able to, you know, accept that you have loose skin or maybe someone accepting they have cellulite or maybe a birthmark Mm -hmm. in a place they don't want. Like all of these things that, you know, we all have individual things that we think are huge in the end of the world. But when we really do step back and realize that health can consume so much of our life but once you do start to see results and get to a point in your journey where, you know, it's starting to become more natural, then you can realize yeah. there's more things to life than that. You can go and start living them. And that helps you overall with your self-love as well. Absolutely. And there's more to you than just what you put in your mouth and how much you exercise. Like there's so much more to you and speak, speak to other women and, you know, ask them how they feel about their bodies. And you know what? We all feel the same. So who are we even really competing with? 
you know, if I if I put because I do put quite a lot on um, Instagram and I have shown my loose skin in all of its glory and the amount of messages I get from other women, some women who have lost weight, some women who have had a baby and their skin is now loose after contracting back down, they're like, oh, okay, it's good. Other people look like this, right? Like we don't all have to be perfect. Like this is how normally, this is normal people. This is what we look like. And that's okay. That doesn't, like my loose skin doesn't determine how healthy or unhealthy I am. Absolutely. It's literally just about the way I look. And if you talk to everyone else around you, we all look like that. We've all got something. Yeah. It's about normalizing it too. Yeah. Neutralizing it, making everybody beautiful and not, not, having the perfect body in our head. And that's something that many of us had. It's something I used to have had this idea of what a perfect body was. And that was, that's different for everyone anyway. But when I started to diversify my social media, so like I unfollowed so many people, I was just following them because they had all the same body. And I started following people who were bigger, shorter, taller, like all different bodies. And that started to really emphasize for me that, you know, everyone's so different. And mm-hmm. if you scroll on your Instagram and there is the same body there, not everyone mm-hmm. looks like that. You're just following the people who look like exactly. that. Exactly. So exactly. that's a, such an important thing. So I wanted to just touch on two things because mm-hmm. we've talked about them during um, this episode. And I think that they've been really important to your journey. Mm-hmm. And that is your uh, tools that you've used, such as like, so you're in the sisterhood with me working mm-hmm. on your mindset and you have a personal trainer who you've had for a while now. Yes. And these two tools, I think obviously have been a big success for you, yeah. whether it was me as a coach or someone else as a coach, mm-hmm. um, in regards to your surgery, actually getting you to mm-hmm. where you are today, rather than you just having the surgery and thinking that was the end of it. So how, how have these sort of really helped you through the journey? And obviously, would that be something you'd recommend for other people to really think about what they need help in and mm-hmm. then seek that help rather than continuously thinking you can do it by yourself? Because I know that for me during my journey, seeking help was huge. Yeah, this is so important. So if you don't have to do it by yourself and you don't, then don't. I think that seeking help is really important. So the first thing that I um, did, I, I seeked a dietitian, and my surgeon, my surgeon actually put me in touch with a dietitian. And then when I was ready, I got a personal trainer. And then the last piece of the puzzle was, like you said, the mindset stuff, the stuff that I didn't realized was a problem until it was a problem and that's when I joined the food freedom sisterhood with you so there are the three things I did Um, some people may even benefit from going to see a psychologist or someone to help with um, their disordered eating if that's a problem for them yeah a lot of the time we don't realize that there are problems until you're actually living it because I thought I don't really have a problem with my relationship with food. I'm not an emotional eater. I'm not a binge eater. So, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't have that issue until I realized I do have that issue. But it was good because I already had support. I had already preempted that I'm, I'm going to use all of the support I have around me and that I have access to. So then I know I'm setting myself up for success. My trainer is someone who not only trains me, but he educates me. He will explain to me why I'm doing a certain exercise and what I can expect to get out of that exercise. So I'm not following blindly anymore. Again, with you, you're explaining to me why if if we're doing like, for example, 
when you taught me about the mirror exercise, that's been so, so huge and it's been so beneficial to me. But I needed to be explained why am I doing this? I'm not just Googling something going, oh, this article says that you should do this. I'm having a conversation with you back and forth about my own specific circumstances and why this might be beneficial. So I think having support means that you're able to have conversations about it and understand why you're doing something rather than just looking at generic advice on Google that may not even be relevant for you in the first place. Absolutely. And conversations is like the one thing that I promote more than anything because just talking about things, having someone to talk about things to that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable maybe with a family member and or Mm -hmm. they don't even know the answer anyway Mm -hmm. um, and can't talk through it with you as much and like you said there's so many different tools someone may need you use those tools and I think sometimes people also need to maybe join like a club like some sort of social club some sort of get together because when you're trying to do a health journey journey maybe you don't have much family maybe you don't live near your family maybe you don't have friends like having that or utilizing social media and being able to connect with people who don't live anywhere near you and you get in on calls with them. Like all of that shows that you don't have to do it by yourself and it just helps you so much. And I know, so journaling is something where you, you know, you get everything out on paper. You're having a conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. But I know there's been a lot of times where you've asked me a question. I've I've asked you questions back and then you answer things and you're like, oh yeah. And I see you working through it all by yourself, (laughs) just simply answering me. And yeah, that is all from conversation and you being able to internalize it better than just the superficial thoughts that are going through your head on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And you know, this is, I would say, the most important part because if I was to look back at, you know, two years ago and where I was and my lack of understanding and knowledge and I was to say, Steph, you're going to be this really strong powerhouse and you're going to lose 60 kilos and you're going to understand nutrition. You're going to actually, you know, go to courses on this stuff and you're going to really immerse yourself and and read up about it. You're going to be doing personal training and actually working out three days a week and you're going to have muscle. I would be like, no way. (laughs) Who is lying to you? Like, you know, get a new psychic because that's not going to happen. I really wouldn't have believed it. And the only way I think I got to this point where I'm, um, you know, really holistic in my own approach is through getting support from people who knew better than me. How else would I get knowledge other than from people who already have that? Because you go to university to learn from these, you know, lecturers and professors who are experts at what they do. You're not expected to wake up and just know everything that was in your degree. So it's the same here. Use the people who know better than you. Use the people who have studied this or lived it and experienced it and then make it your own after that. But to go out all by yourself, it's like there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's a really scary world out there. So it, it can kind of get dangerous territory when you're just like grasping at ideas here and there. So that's why I'm very grateful for our sisterhood and all of the members as well because we're able to chat to each other and say, hey, did you also experience this? Like, yeah, 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 don't worry, that's normal. (laughs) Yeah, and it creates that sense of community in regards Mm. to use can all relate to everything, which I think is big for our mindset, but also overwhelm. It reduces a lot of overwhelm with information if you do seek help from people. And if someone is feeling overwhelmed in information, the best thing you can do is find someone who is where you want to be and use their knowledge and implement what they say. 
And the other thing, because you mentioned that your personal training is really good. I used to do mm-hmm. in personal, personal training. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember that in every profession, there's going to be uh, like a tradie that you like and a tradie that you don't. So if you go to a personal trainer who have had bad experience and never wanted to go back again, mm-hmm. that's not the end of it. Go and yes. like they're used it like an audition use it like an interview you're interviewing them just as much as they're having a consult with you if you have one session mm-hmm. you don't like it try 10 others until you find something that you do enjoy absolutely and that is so important because i yes i do have a fantastic trainer now but i have had many trainers in the past and none of them i speak about like this so if you feel like your trainers because you know when you are obese and like when i was 120 kilos doing exercise then and doing exercise at my weight now is very different it's totally different. different and you can't explain that to someone who hasn't been overweight it's really hard to um have them understand no no i'm actually in pain or no my hip doesn't actually have that range of movement right now and so a good trainer will listen to you and understand you and try and to maybe change the session a little bit to accommodate for your needs but not all trainers will do that. Some of them will try and push you to your limits or some of them will, you know, really uh, not be validating of your issues. If you're in pain, you're allowed to say you're in pain without it seeming like you're lazy. Because that's another really important thing that people don't take seriously when someone's overweight. Yeah. And because you shouldn't go in to every session necessarily coming out feeling like you need to like vomit or you know that is not a good sign like that's not the only sign of a good session Mm -hmm. and that's where you'll get the trainers who feel like that's all they need to do is to make you feel like you're puffed versus the trainers who really care about the technique about whether something's hurting about taking into account that someone who's like 120 kilos like you were shouldn't be jumping Mm -hmm. up and down doing exercise like that because it is unhealthy for their body to be doing that so exactly yeah that's a really really important thing and i'm glad that you found someone who you love because that makes all the difference (laughs) okay we've talked about so much today is there anything that you would like to add on as like a final note a final thing that helped you maybe something we didn't touch on or even just some words of encouragement for someone who may be in a similar spot to you were at any point during your journey um i guess my soft spot is for all the girls and boys (laughs) out there who are still really overweight and don't know where to start Um, I would say that you are really, really brave and that it's really amazing that you want to make a change. And the first step is just wanting change. And then your second step is just putting yourself in touch with somebody who's going to encourage you and support you and give you information and then just go really easy on yourself. If you hate doing something, then don't do it. If something feels really, really crappy, then stop until you find the thing that you love because I know it doesn't seem like it now, but you will find something you love and you will be successful. Absolutely. Such nice work. I'm sure that's going to be encouraging. Everyone (laughs) is going to love this interview. I know Um, (laughs) you post a lot on Instagram, as we've mentioned Mm -hmm. before. So of course I'll leave that link below, but did you want to tell the listeners where they can find you on Instagram? Sure. It's really creative. Uh, my Instagram handle, it's Stephanie underscore Roberts 90. Beautiful. So I will have that link down below and thank you. she posts so many cool <laughs> stories, 
photos. I love listening to them because I love seeing you progress. So thank you. I know that it's helping so many other women as well. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And I'm excited to hopefully get you back too as well in the future so we can see where you've progressed since then as well. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on, hun. Thank you. How amazing was part two? You ladies know how much I love talking about mindset. And Steph is one of those clients, one of those sisterhood ladies who really has embraced everything to do with mindset and really takes on everything that we talk about inside of the sisterhood and all of the practices that we implement. She has learned so much and come so far since we first began together working on her mindset, which makes me super happy. And it makes me so happy just to chat with her in a podcast uh, chat like this. It it shows how far she's come to me. And I know that every single day, every single week, she will continuously be working on her mindset as all of us are. You will have mindset blocks and limiting beliefs around all areas of your life, not just your health. So you're always going to be working on it. And it's not a full time job. It shouldn't be something that sounds scary. It should be something that sounds exciting because when you do shift your mindset, what you're doing is you're shifting your ability to see new things and to be opened up to new thought processes and ways of thinking, which means that there is a whole new world out there just waiting for you when you do work on that mindset. So I hope you ladies all enjoyed this podcast interview part one and part two as much as I did. If you do want to connect with Stephanie, of course, I will have her Instagram linked below. She talks so much about mindset on her Instagram as well. She also talks about food and her journey and everything to do with all of the stuff that I love. So I know you ladies will really enjoy her Instagram. So go and give her a follow, watch her stories because she does an amazing job of sharing what she's going through and her thoughts. And I love watching them. So I know you guys will as well. And I will also leave the Food Freedom Sisterhood link down below if you do want to check that out. If you are interested in finding a really, really supportive community and a coaching hub where I come in and I coach you. I put new trainings out every single month. Usually there's about two go out every single month on top of our coaching calls. It is the beginning of the month right now as I put this podcast out. So we are starting a fresh new month, which I'm super excited for. We are diving into food and meal preparation and also empowering inner dialogue in our courses this month. And for those ladies who don't know, maybe haven't heard much about the sisterhood, when you do sign up, you get access to every single course that's ever gone into the sisterhood. So that is my key focus is to continuously put out new courses for you, new courses covering topics that you ladies request. The ladies who are in the sisterhood are my top priority for courses and also then personalizing them further to you in our coaching calls because I love, love chatting to all of you ladies who are inside of the sisterhood, having coaching coaching calls and really just helping you through the things that you're really stuck on right now. So I will leave that link down below if you do want to come and check us out. And otherwise, that is it for Steph's interview. Part one and part two are now available. Make sure you catch up on part one if you haven't already. And otherwise, I will hang out with you ladies very soon.